exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Wrap. It is 7 o'clock. We're good to go. I have two people on the show with me. To my right, I have James, who's been here a few times. James, how you doing? I'm doing very good. Thank you for having me. Good. Did you have a good weekend? Yes, I did. Outstanding. Good, good. Lots of sports going on. We know that. And now we have a new person on the show, Tommy. To my left, how are you, Tommy? Doing great, Megan. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. All right, let's get straight into the sports. We'll start off with the MSU Spartans football game, as we know. I actually, unfortunately, had to miss the game. I had prior arrangements for Saturday, but I did listen to half of it, so you guys are going to have to help me out a lot with what you saw during the game. Uh, the, our, they did beat Iowa 37-21, to first time since 1989. Um, the cool thing about this game is the victory was the 35th win for the MSU seniors, and they broke the record for 34 set by the class of 2010. So all those seniors that have been playing for four or five years, they have the most wins in MSU history with the football team. So good for you guys. Um, I mean, do you guys want to kind of fill me in, one of you, about like what exactly happened, what you guys saw during the game? Because from what I heard, it was, it was a decent game except for the third quarter. I heard we kind of struggled a little bit. Yeah, aside from the third quarter, pretty much in all facets of the game, we dominated Iowa. Early on, the offense came out really balanced, pretty solid play calling for once on the road, which was nice to see. Le'Veon Bell was uh, fed the rock pretty often. He had a great game once again. Cousins was on point for the most part, really uh, led a few touchdown drives there in the first half. Defense really stopped him. I think uh, Johnny Adams had a nice interception there in the first half. And overall, the team played great. Aside from the third quarter, you know, I was a very tough team to beat at home, and you knew they were going to make a run at some point. And for the defense to step it up there like they did at the end of the game was huge. Uh, it's uh, awesome for our defense to start, you know, coming through again. That last home game that I saw, they just looked like a high school football team. I'm glad to hear that they're doing better. Um, what you would you take from the game, James? It was nice to see for the first time in a while. Cousins just dominated. Uh, he didn't throw a single interception. I think he had, what, four touchdowns, mm. I believe? I don't know. <laughs> uh, three touchdowns, sorry. Three, three touchdowns. touchdowns and no interceptions. And, and that's not something you uh, you see a lot of cousins. It's usually three touchdowns and one interception. So uh, definitely give him his props for that. He played an awesome game. Good, good. I'm so glad to hear that. And um, I'm just looking at everything going on right now. Penalties for yards. You know, that's always a big thing that I like to look at specifically. Um, because, you know, in the past we have struggled with penalties. MSU has. And then we had no penalties against Wisconsin be the number four, number six, whatever team. Um, looking at that, I just had it. Where the heck did it go? Um, no interceptions, all that good stuff. Uh, I can't find it. There it is. Um, Iowa had six for 39, MSU seven for 75. You know, obviously something to work on, but at least our defense came through, our offense came through. That's the big thing that I was reading about is everyone was impressed with our play calling on offense. Um, I, I heard there was a play called gold. Was there a fake fake? Uh, field goal or fake punt or anything? There was a fake field goal run. Okay, I believe. yeah, yeah that's we did it. convert on it. And and you know you know D'Antonio with his names. We had Rocket. We've had um, Little Giants. And now I was reading about this one. He called it Gold. I have no idea. There wasn't really an explanation. Um, but that's just I. That's the kind of person he is. I guess. Um, I there was a, the fourth quarter. I heard there were um, a lot of injuries. That's what I was hearing. Um, MSU team going down a lot. Um, I mean, D'Antonio said something. He said, I can dress it. They were severe. I saw pain when I walked out there. It wasn't that they were going down. It's a physical football game. There was a lot of guys just sitting there right with their pads off right now, just sort of uh, taking it in, but very, very tired. So um, I'm just I'm glad that they beat Iowa, to be honest. That was one of the games that I was really worried about. This and Northwestern at the end of the year were my two games. Obviously, Indiana, we'll see. I mean, Minnesota just played spectacular when we played them, and I was saying that was the game that we were going to dominate in, and obviously it was a very, very, very close game. So it's, it's great to see them beat Iowa on the road, especially. Um, been 12 years. So it was, it was really, really great. Um, looking forward, though, I just wanted to ask you guys about this weekend, how you think they're going to fare against Indiana after, you know, kind of a tough game on the road like this, how they're going to come back and 
and play against uh, or in a home game. Well, I'm kind of scared that something might happen, like against Purdue last year at home. I believe that was senior day also, just came out flat, fell behind quickly, and we had to rally late and win. Hopefully we got that out of our system with the Minnesota game already and having it be senior day in such a great class for them. Hopefully we just come out and roll in the first half. Hopefully it'll be 35 nothing by halftime and can get the backups. And Indiana's defense is one of the worst in the nation, so they should have no problem rolling up against the Hoosiers. And how, is there something you think that we're going to struggle with against Indiana, or do you think that this should just be an all-out? You know we're gonna win. We should win easily. <laughs> I'm not concerned at all. No, no. Okay. What are, you, what are you feeling? I'm also not concerned at all. I think Indiana is the worst team in the Big Ten, hands down. <laughs> um, Michigan State. Um, the one thing that worries me about them is times like these where you're supposed to win and pretty much they hold you know their own future, their destiny in their hands. They tend to shoot themselves in the foot sometimes, so let's hope that that does not happen. But, I mean, if they can continue to run the ball the way that they've been, have the stellar defense that they have, and no interceptions, this is going to be complete domination. Good. That's that's what I like to hear. That's the kind of things I like to hear. And, you know, I also think that this is a game we shouldn't lose. Um, there's no reason for us to. I mean, we have one of the best defenses. Our offense, as I've heard, finally proved themselves this past weekend, so... Hopefully everything can come together, can mesh together, and we can beat Indiana and hopefully go into Northwestern and beat them, go to the Big Ten, um, our championship game, and then, like you said, win the next three games. We were talking about this earlier, win the next three games and go to the Rose Bowl. Something that hasn't been done, and I don't even know how long. I didn't even look that up. Um, anything else you guys want to add that, about about um, Michigan State football? Just three more to get. <laughs> Then right. we're playing in it's, Pasadena. It's in their it. hands. Yep. For real? I mean, that would be great. I would love to go out to California to go see that game. It's, it's looking a lot like it could very well be a Wisconsin-Michigan State Big Ten title for a rematch, which would be awesome. You think? Yeah. You think Penn State's going to fall out? Yeah. I Do think you? they're falling apart you know? pretty quickly. Even I heard it was a close game this past week. It was a close game, but I mean, what they're dealing with right now is not easy to overcome. Hmm. What do you think? You think Penn State's going to fall out of the top? Yeah, I think Wisconsin's going to handle them pretty easily. And Penn State, I know they've had a great year to to this point, but they've seemed like they've been pretty fraudulent with the way they've been winning games. They haven't been blowing anybody out. They almost lost to Temple, even if they've all been really low-scoring games. So I just think Wisconsin's going to blow them out of the water when they get the chance. And that was a Nebraska team that really does not look that good. You know, I'm not impressed with Nebraska. This no, year, to be I, I really at the beginning of the year I called them to win the Big Ten. I think we all did. I think you were on the show with us that one. Yeah, and uh, they don't look good at all. No, I mean I don't know what's going on with them. They, I thought they were going to be the big powerhouse program to beat. They were going to be the Ohio State after you know Ohio State falls down. <laughs> so, but obviously not. I mean, if we play Wisconsin um, for the the championship game, do you do you guys think we could pull off another one? Oh, easily. I think that the the defense is so stellar right now. I mean, unless uh, an injury or somebody gets another DUI or something, I I see no reason why they can't continue to play the way they've been playing. I think we have a great chance of beating Wisconsin again. We'll have Golston back. We didn't have him the first time around. And overall, I think we're a lot faster than Wisconsin. And on a neutral field inside a dome in Indianapolis, that'll really prove itself to be the difference between our two squads. I think our speed on defense and on the perimeter with our wide receivers like Keyshawn Martin, we're going to run past them in, in the dome. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I... I, it's going to be, if we play Wisconsin again, it's going to be an interesting game because Wisconsin's going to be out to beat us while we're going to be and try and, you know, go to the Rose Bowl and win the championship. Um, just to let everybody know if you want to call in, talk about MSU with the future, you think they're going to win, go to the championship game, who they're going to play, all that good stuff. Give us a call here. It's 517-432-3893. Even as we move on in the show, if you guys have any other um, comments, even if I'm talking about Lions football, go ahead and call in. Um, but I'm going to move on to just, you know, look around the Big Ten, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the BCS standings right now. Um, Northwestern played Rice 128-6. to This is all Saturday games, obviously. Nebraska and Penn State, as we talked about earlier, Nebraska won 17-14 in I, what must have been a, a ridiculously awesome game to watch. I totally missed it, which I'm really upset about. Um, obviously, MSU-Iowa 37-21. Ohio State and uh, Purdue, also a very, very close game. I did get to catch the end of that, the overtime. Um, just, I was there, there was like a blocked 
field goal for the win or something, and then they tied it 20-20, and just Ohio State, I just could guess, couldn't hold on. Uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, 42 to 13, and then Michigan, Illinois, 31 to 14. Um, so just throwing all those scores out there for you guys. Anything you want to add about those Big Ten games? Uh, that Michigan game, I was really surprised by the run game for Michigan because they have not been known for the run game this year. And I think they had over 350 total rushing yards. Really? And 198 by uh, Toussaint alone, which was pretty impressive. I heard um, Denard got taken out of the game. Yeah, he uh, he's he's been roughed up. Mm, okay, I thought I saw him run, but it could have been someone else. It was just another really fast guy. Uh, like Devin Gardner, probably. It probably was, yeah. and he was just running that ball like crazy. Um, so I'm just gonna give you a quick BCS standings. We have MSU at 15. Um, there are 12 in the AP, and we have Michigan at or yeah, Michigan at 18. I'm I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> And um, they're 20th in the AP. Your top five are LSU, Oak State, Alabama, Oregon, and Oklahoma. Did you guys see, I was watching top ten, did you guys see the, the two top ten plays by Alabama? Did no, you I see that? see that. Oh, my gosh, they were hilarious. I'm sorry, they were really funny. One of them, the guy went to catch it, and he, like, bobbled it, like, 20 times, hit it off his face mask, and then caught it about, like, three inches off the ground. I'm like, what a joke. I, what was the other one? Um, oh, he was running the ball. He, uh, like, missed, like, ten tackles. The guys, I don't even know how they didn't pull him down and ran it for a touchdown. He was, like, on their own 20 or something. It was crazy. And then the one they had for the Iowa-Michigan State game was the one-hand grab by that Iowa player. And that was, I mean, those were those were pretty intense. <laughs> um, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about, I was telling you guys earlier, there is not even, like, a scandal. It's just a, a something bad just happened at Michigan. Um... Their sophomore safety, Michigan sophomore safety, Marvin Robinson, he was caught at the end of September, oh, September 29th, stealing a video game, one video game, from a locked dorm room at, like, 10 o'clock at night. And they uh, they caught him, you know, he went to, he's going to court, and they're saying he could serve up to 15, a maximum of 15 years in prison. For one video game. I don't know. How do you guys like feel about that? Because U of M fans are just all riled up on, you know, online, like, oh, you know, this happens everywhere, but, you know, because we're Michigan, everyone's picking on us, you know, that kind of thing. That sounds extremely excessive. 15 <laughs> years for one video game. I don't know what video game, what it, what, it, what it was. If it was Call of Duty, maybe someone was really upset about it. <laughs> the new one came out just last week. But 15 years, that's incredible for one video game. Yeah, I doubt he'll see 15 years. But uh, when you're under the spotlight, like, spotlight, like these players are, mm-hmm. um, when we see it time after time, all these players just going out and just making very poor decisions, you can't continue to do this. And when you do, it's getting to the point now where examples are being made. So if this guy, I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy serve quite a bit of jail time i mean and he deserves to yeah i mean it's just i don't even know what to say of this i everyone's all upset about it i mean michigan state's had their fair share of bad bad luck if that's what you want to call it quote unquote um we had you know all our what was it lucius got in trouble dismissed from the team um we had just a whole bunch of stuff. I just remember last year, if it wasn't one thing, it was another with Dave and I when we were doing the show. I was like, oh, another thing broke out with Michigan State. And it's just, it's unfortunate um, that football players, you know, that are on scholarship feel the need to go and steal video games from a dorm room. Yeah. I, that's my biggest thing um, because you're getting money to play here and you need to go steal a video game from a kid in a dorm. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 15 years, I do believe, is a little bit excessive. Um, Michigan head coach Brady Hoke said, uh, we are aware of the report. We will let the legal process run its course, and we will not have any further comment until that time. So he's just letting it happen. Um, this guy has nine tackles in five games and has started once. So he's not even a starter, really. Um, he did not travel with the team to Iowa or Illinois, which Coach Hoke had said was due to an undisclosed injury. That's what he's saying for it. Um so he's, his uh, hearing is this Wednesday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So we'll see how that ends up. Um, you know what? I, if you guys have any more comments, again, phone lines, 517-432-3893. Give us a call. We are going to move on, though, I think, to MSU basketball because that was a big thing that went on this weekend. Our Veterans Day carrier game. Oh, MSU. 
I don't know. I, that was a good game, nonetheless. I just need to. I don't even remember the score, but it was a good game for MSU. There was a couple of things that I can definitely see they need to work on, but North Carolina is a good team. And um, I, do you guys have anything you want to like talk about with them? Yeah, I mean, North Carolina is the number one team in the nation for a reason, and State played well. Um, I think depth will become an issue as the season progresses, especially if we suffer an injury or two. You could already tell when Dawson went down during that game <coughs> that we uh, fell apart without him, and that's uh, going to be a serious problem if we have an injury or two along the way. But it was uh, pretty encouraging. Aside from that, the new guys look good. Brandon Wood and Travis Trice played played up to the uh, moment Friday night. And uh, Derek Nix had a huge game inside. He was uh, going up strong against Tenson and Zeller and uh, really just dominating the glass. And same with Draymond Green. I mean, you can you can't stop talking about how great of a player Draymond has been for coaches. So and the way he's played through his four years, it's just been tremendous, and that was a great game for him Friday night. Unfortunately, they didn't bring home the win, of course, but I think it was definitely encouraging, and hopefully they can string it together for tomorrow night against Duke. Did you did you see that trophy? Oh, yeah. Thing was that gigantic. trophy was awesome. Yeah, I think I it know. was 85 pounds. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, just to let you guys know, they did or they did lose 67 to 55. It was only 12 points, 12-point um, difference, which is really, really cool. Really really good game, to be honest, um, you know, to set us up for the game tomorrow, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But, yeah, that trophy was gigantic. I was watching it, and I'm like, holy good Lord, that thing is big. Um, so, I, I mean, that's the big thing I think I found with the team was their um, rebounding. Their offensive rebounding was amazing. It was so good. Their defensive rebounding, everything. They're like Nick's, like you were talking about. That guy's lost so much weight. He looks really good, and he's going for rebounds. He's actually getting down the court with the team rather than you know like ten, fifteen steps behind them, which is really, really good. The new guys. I do you know if Wood? Like, is he all right? Like, or um. I haven't met him yet. I don't know. No, I mean like uh, his injury. Was he the one that got injured? Uh, no, that was Dawson. Oh, Dawson, who got that's injured, what you said, yeah. Is, he found his he, knee, came, right? he came back in the game. Did I he? think he uh, strained his ankle. He didn't practice yesterday, but as I said, he would be good to go for tomorrow. Okay. All right. I just wanted to check. Um, do you have anything to say? Yeah, the besides game? the fact that the carrier, just the, them being on the carrier was so <laughs> awesome. I mean, as soon as the game played, I had to go online and find a picture for my desktop because I thought it was just so cool that they were doing this. But uh, Did you see the cover of the state news? No, I did not. They have the coolest picture on there. Yeah. If you if you want to, check it out. The thing that really, really uh, stood out to me was the rebounding, like you said. To out-rebound them 49-34 to 34 was huge, especially with the future NBA players that, that uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels have, you know. Mm-hmm. They have four or five players that will be in the NBA who play very good basketball, and just to be able to hit the glass the way that they did and play the way they did even though they were down mm-hmm. was was big but um you know the slick floor did not help you know people were sliding all over that floor some were saying it was the sticker some were saying it was the dampness seeing that they were in, in the middle of the ocean but but overall it was an awesome experience and i'm sure that's something none of the players or anybody that was there is ever going to forget Oh, yeah, and I don't know. It was cool, like, watching on TV, you saw the vets or, like, all the the guys who had been on that ship and everything. They were all in the crowd. And there were, like, a couple, like, you know, people in normal clothes, you know, but everyone was pretty much a sailor. And that was that was pretty neat. Um, like you said, the floor situation, people, guys were going down, like, left and right, left and right. Um, sliding, I mean, Thornton, um, Dawson, everyone's going down. Um the one thing that did worry me about the team, I don't know if you guys noticed this, was their shots in the paint. They were doing a lot of jump shots rather than going and driving the basket, and when they did, they just couldn't it, they couldn't follow it, like follow through. Like it just wouldn't go in, and that's the thing is the good thing they were getting good rebounds, or else that would have been really bad in the long run. We probably would have lost by a lot more. Um, but I did you guys notice that too? Yeah, I mean overall the shooting even outside of the the paint was tough. I mean, you're playing on an aircraft carrier where there's gusts of wind mm-hmm. all around you. I mean, neither team shot very well, um, but I'm, I'm sure that there was plenty of situations that they could have uh, 
uh, shot a little bit better, you know, got a little closer to the rim, like you said. Um, Draymond Green really did a good job at that. He was the the one person on the team who really drove the basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you have to credit North Carolina for some of that as well. Zeller and Henson were blocking everything inside, and you could tell when Appling was trying to get into the paint, he was getting ca- called for a charge every time. So mm-hmm. that is something that they will have to address in their uh, offensive schemes going ahead. Did you did you guys like them playing on the aircraft carrier on Veterans Day? Do you think that was pretty cool? I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And those incredible. jerseys were really cool too. I liked MSU shoes. Yeah, I liked the MSU jerseys. I, I wasn't didn't really care too much about North Carolina's Mm-mm. jerseys. The the blue fatigue not as nice. Yeah, I, I thought they were pretty neat. Um, there's that they're actually selling shirts and that are online that I was like, ooh, kind of like those. Might have to get one of those. But yeah, their jerseys were really cool. My total girls coming out right now. Um. I mean, going into Duke tomorrow, how are you guys feeling about, like, with the team that we had? They have, they beat Belmont 77-76, to so it was a close game, and Presbyterian 96-55. to So, I mean, I haven't seen any, either of these games, but one's close, one's really far apart. How are you guys feeling about going to this game tomorrow? I'm feeling good about it. Um, I did see a little bit of the Belmont game Friday night, and Duke, the time that I saw them was actually making their run so they looked pretty good when i saw them play but belmont is traditionally actually a really good small school so that's not too big of a surprise that they gave duke a real big scare early on in the season but duke lost a ton of talent last year and i think early on in the season they're going to struggle and if there's a chance for us to get them tomorrow night's our chance i agree i agree that uh that there's definitely there's more than a possibility that Michigan State can win that game. Uh, we're gonna have to see another humongous rebounding game, um, and then, like he touched on earlier, they're gonna have to uh, discuss and practice. You know the few flaws that they did have in the game, driving the basket. You know. Um, uh, blocking shots, things like that. Uh, Duke is a really good team, but you know the beginning of the season is the best time to get them. You know they haven't really played together all that long, and you know this is definitely an opportunity for them to lose. I think we played them at the beginning of the season last year too. If I remember correctly, it was within the first like five games. I want to say. I feel like that happens often. Yeah. 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 Um, I know it's we've only had one game, and we have our second one. Or no, like we've had the two ex- exhibitions, but one real you know season game. Are, do you guys see this team being better than last year's? I think so. I, just I know because it's a bold last, statement. Just because last year's team was so poor in the end. Like, they, they, their offensive schemes last year were so out of whack. They never found a solid rotation. I think this year's team is much more in Izzo's mold, so to say, in the sense that all of the guys play defense and rebound, whereas last year, not going to name names, but they were lacking on the defensive side of the ball big time, and they did not show much effort or hustle attacking the glass and this year I think with Draymond leading the way that they can really uh, cause some trouble in the big town. I agree that this is Tom Izzo's team this year more than it was last year. Last year there was a lot of big names on there you know people that were going to go play overseas or in the NBA um, that didn't want to do certain things that was asked of them so I think that it, they can be better this year it's really tough to tell right now mm-hmm. um, but uh I have faith that you know they can they can put up a better season overall. Okay, yeah. I mean, I from what I saw with the team on uh, Friday, they looked pretty good. A couple little tweaks. I mean, they were outside, obviously. Ball, the winds blowing the ball everywhere, um, all that good stuff. But from what I saw, they do look very very good. Um, I think last year's team just I don't know if they got a big head or what was going on, but being ranked second, I think in preseason, they just did not live up to that. I. This team, if they keep going the way they do, and we do well against Michigan, especially because, you know, we lost we lost to Michigan last year. Um, you know, beat the teams we should beat. I'm not saying Michigan's bad, but I'm saying beat the teams in the Big Ten that we should beat. There's no reason I don't think they should make it to, um, that they shouldn't make it to March Madness this year. They just need to work on, you know, tweak the little things they need to, and I, I can see them definitely doing that. Michigan will definitely be a good game for them. Yes, it will. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm picking on Michigan, Michigan right now. Because is a quality basketball last team. year, last year when we played them, I was like, oh, easy win. You know, Michigan's not that good. And then we lost. And I'm like, Michigan had their own cheering section, and the Izzo was just we were uh, we were glaring. We we're like, what are they doing up there? <laughs> um, I guess we can move on to, you know, what? we'll start the PSU scandal, the Penn State scandal. 
we'll start with that, and we'll go through the break with that, and then we'll come back to it. Just give people a little bit of time to think about if they want to call in. Um, like I told you guys earlier, they did lose to Nebraska 17-14. to A lot of people are saying it's due to what's been going on. You know, either way, probably could be. Maybe they were just thrown off or whatever. Um, to give a little bit of background for anyone who maybe has been living under a rock for the past couple weeks, um, Jerry Sandusky, this is uh, Penn State's assistant coach, um, allegedly, I'm going to say that because he hasn't been convicted yet, he's still calling innocence right now, allegedly um, molested nine, up to nine boys they have it too. Um, one of them, McQuarrie, seeing in the shower with at the football plays. Um, I was reading an article and they were saying it's rumored that there were many missed chances to investigate as early as 1995. So that's kind of a, a, a bold, big statement. I kind of read part of the article. I didn't get all the way through it. Um, this lady wrote this big, long article about how there's been so many chances that, you know, officials could have came in and said something, and they didn't. Um, former Vice President Gary Schultz and Athletic Director Jim Curley have both been charged with perjury and failure to report a crime. So they're both in a little bit of trouble, obviously. Um you know, most recently, not most recently, but the biggest controversial thing I think going on right now is on November 9th, last Wednesday, Joe Paterno and college president Graham Spainer were both fired, and over they're saying over 2,000 students rioted. Um, what I, from what I've heard, I mean, I watched part of it, and it did look pretty big and pretty bad, but from what I heard, people are saying that it was, a, it was the media trying to pull a story out of something that wasn't a story. I mean, did you guys see any of the footage? I did, and I. Whenever students trying together and flip over a news truck, exactly. that is news. All I, right, so I don't care if there's only two thousand out of forty-five thousand students rioting. When news trucks start to get flipped over and rocks are being thrown and people are getting injured in the crowd, that's a story. Yeah, the big thing I think people are saying is you're going to sit here in. I know you're against Joe Paterno being fired, James. Um, I'm just going to say what, like, what people have been saying, um, that um, they think it's dumb, I guess, that you know kids are rioting over him being fired when he knew about the situation and barely, I guess, barely let someone know about it instead of, you know, um, su- not supporting, but like giving their support to the families whose like, sons have been victimized. I mean, how do, how do you feel about that? I feel like there's only so much you can do. Um... Again, I don't know all of the details. Nobody really does other than those involved. Mm -hmm. But from what I have heard, he did his part in going and telling um, the AD, I think it was. Um, And then from there, nothing was done. I feel like he probably could have followed up with it, maybe went and spoke to a police officer or somebody a little higher up. But, I mean, to... To, t- to run this guy out of town, to take his name off trophies, uh, it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I was saying earlier, it's kind of like the Bobby Bowden situation a little. You know, they're just these people built like he built Penn State to what they are today. And it, it just doesn't feel like he's getting enough credit due to something someone else did. Right. Like the credit thing. Um, it's it sucks for him because, you know, he's getting let go on such a horrible thing when he's done so much for the university. I can see it from that point. I can see it from both angles. I mean, that's I'm not I'm like kind of on the fence with it. And people are more remembered for the bad things they do than the exactly. good things. Exactly, and, and it's just it's not fair. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And you know, I'm on the fence because I can see. Yeah, he should probably go because it makes the university look bad, especially with the situation. They said basically they just want to get rid of a bunch of people and start over. That's pretty much I think their goal right now is to do that. I mean, McQuarrie as of Thursday is on like a forced leave by the university because they don't know what's going to happen to him, like, if he stays. And he said he will not return. No, probably not, yeah. So, and um, the other thing is that I'm glad Penn State did this to kind of retaliate against the riots. On Thursday, they did hold a candlelight vigil for the victims. So it was pretty cool. There were tons of people. I'm not exactly sure where it was. I know it was, by like, in Penn State. Um, but they had a button. Everyone was just holding candles, you know, a moment of silence, you know, for all the victims that were affected. Um... I know ESPN has interviewed a couple of the moms, and but they just they don't show their faces or anything. They sound they do like the whole voice out thing, and I think oh Sandusky I was reading he asked for forgiveness from the parents. He's like I know I'm not going to get it, but um yeah I mean if I'll I'll go into the newest um, release from today, um, Leslie Dutchcott who's the judge who ordered or that um, granted Sandusky a hundred thousand dollar bail. Um, 
saying pretty much saying he wouldn't have to post any money unless he didn't show up to court. Um, is actually a volunteer of San- Sandusky's charity. I don't know if you guys, you, you said you've been working all day. Did you hear about this? I heard bits and pieces of it, but not that much. I heard that he was the judge, I think, was a member of the Second Mile charity. Is yep. that correct? Okay. Yeah, the Second Mile, um, the youth <clears throat> charity founded by Sandusky in 1977. Yeah. Um, they're saying this is the center of the child sex abuse um, sex abuse charges. So they're saying he found all this, quote-unquote, I'm saying it like this, victims, because I don't really know how else to say it. Um, he found all of his victims through the charities program. Um, it's just sad. Sandusky has six adopted children. And it's just really, really sad to hear about all this. Um, uh, Jack Rakovitz, who's the president of the charity, he actually resigned today, um, hoping it would help restore the faith in its mission for the actual charity. So they're hoping to, or he's hoping that by him leaving, they'll be able to start over with the program and kind of wipe the, wipe the slate clean. And I don't know, what is Sandusky going to do? I, I don't think he can really be a part of the program anymore. Obviously, I would but, think not. No, I mean, um, I, that's that's probably the most recent thing that's happened with that. I mean, how do you guys feel about how this whole situation is being handled? I guess. Well, you know what? You think about that. We're actually going to go to a break. We're going to leave it on a cliffhanger right now. So um, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be right back in a little bit. You're listening to Exposure on eighty-eight point nine, The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a gang member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Hello and welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap. We were just in the middle of talking about the Penn State scandal. Again, the phone line is 517-432-3893 if you'd like to give us a call and let us know what you think about it. Think about that. Think about MSU football. Think about the bas- or MSU basketball team. Anything you guys want to talk about. We will get to the Lions in just a second, too. So I'm going to call in about that. I was just asking you guys before the break um, how you feel the whole situation is being handled by the university, because like you said, you don't think Joe Paterno should have been like had all of his stuff removed, um, you know, his name removed from the trophy, which if you guys didn't hear that, his name has been removed by the Big Ten from the national championship, or not national, I'm sorry, the Big Ten championship trophy. This will be the first year for it. It was named um, the Paterno Stag Championship Trophy. Now it's just the Stag Championship Trophy. Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney claims it's important to keep the focus on the players and the teams that will be competing in the inaugural championship game. So... I know you're against that. I don't know exactly how you feel just yet, Tommy. But, I mean, if you guys want to give me, like, how you think the university has been handling this, how the Big Ten's been handling this, all that kind of yeah, stuff. It's just a sad situation overall, and you just got to feel for the kids and their families first and foremost. But as far as the university handled it, um, the way they let go of Paterno, I thought that they had to let go of him, but the way in which they did was uh, kind of shameful on their part, especially letting him go before of Coach McQuarrie. That was just the wrong thing to do. If anything, he got to let go of McQuarrie first before you do anything else and then go ahead and let Paterno and the president go. But I, it's just one of those situations where you just have to clean house no matter what. And as far as the big time goes, removing his name off the trophy. I think it's one of those situations that in time, you know, sins will be forgiven and uh, you know, once you know history looks uh, looks at Joe Paterno, it'll be in a positive way, and somewhere down the road, his name will once again show up on the trophy. I'm sure, but that's 
pretty irrelevant at this at this moment in time. Yeah, I feel like they from what I read it sounds like it's a temporary thing with the trophy. It might not be just because they don't want the trophy to be uh, reflected in a negative light, which is, I think, how they're feeling about it right now, which is why I think they took his name off of there. Um, but hopefully his name does end up back on there because he's done so much for college football, especially for the Penn State team, being around for the past 40 years. Um, I guess just give me give me what you think. Oh, I, just, I disagree with it completely. Um, to touch on what you were saying, um, that it could eventually be back on the trophy his name i think that alone right there says that what they're doing is wrong i feel like they're paying so much attention on cleaning house and making the university's name look good that they're not really paying attention to who deserves what you know um i I don't feel like his name should be taken off of that off of the trophy i don't feel like he should have been uh, fired the way he did like you touched on um and like i said i just feel like they they care so much about cleaning up the Penn State University name rather than making sure that this never happens again. Right. And do you do you think they I you said you completely disagree, but do you Tommy feel like that it's the thing they need to do is they need to start over completely with the coaching staff? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. And I Paterno was probably only going to be there another year or two anyways, but this is definitely they've got to start all over in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Clean, cleaning house is something that has to happen. But mm-hmm. again, the way they've gone about it, I think, is just completely unprofessional and, and a bit selfish. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's the best thing. And I think in the long run, it's going to take a while to build up the program, just like, you know, OSU is not as good as they used to be, obviously, mm-hmm. since, since Jim Trussell left, uh, resigned. Um, but probably Penn State will probably go back to being a good program. They, they were good at the beginning of this year for until Paterno left. Even though they're still good. I mean, there was a close game on Saturday, but I think it's just a matter of what's been going on with the university and everything. So we'll see how that um, pans out. There will probably be more. As the as the weeks go on, more and more comes out every day about that thing. They have lost a lot of recruits. So yeah. uh, that's, the yeah, next that's the few years is going to be very tough for them. They've mm-hmm. already lost recruits to Michigan, to Michigan State, to Purdue, mm-hmm. and they're just going to continue to go that way. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. I know they were talking about on ESPN. You know, everyone has Twitter nowadays, so all these recruits are tweeting. They're like, "Oh, like this is what they said. They they touched little boys. I'm not going here." They're like, and you know, it's really unfortunate that one incident, not one, many incidents from the past have to come back and haunt a team that could be a very good program or could have been a very good program for the years coming. Um, I. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what else comes out of this whole thing because I turn on the TV, I go on ESPN, I don't know whatever whatever I decide to do, go on Twitter, and ESPN Sports Center has a new thing up that says this is happening in Penn State, and I'm like, holy cow, there's another thing, you know. As it always works that way, you know, like the Brett Favre situation. He's like, I didn't do it, and then he's like, oh, I did it once. Oh, I did it this many times, you know. It's just I think that's just how sports are. I think that's just how not even famous people, but how Everything's kind of handled nowadays. Um, enough about that. Guys, if you want to call in, give your opinion, 517-432-3893. We will. If you call in, you want to talk about Penn State, Michigan State, whatever, I will go back to it for you. Um, but because Tommy has to leave soon, I will move on to our Detroit Lions. Um, they did lose to Chicago 37-13 to after we beat them on Monday Night Football <laughs> last month or a couple months ago. I can't even remember. Um, I... I don't, Tommy. Your status on Facebook last night—you you need to start for me. Well, basically, <laughs> Chicago did not win that game. The Lions lost it and handed to them on a silver platter. It reminded me of the Michigan State Iowa game from last year, actually, when Cousins was throwing a pick six every time he touched the football, and. Th- those the interceptions Stafford had only thrown t- four um, prior to that game. Throws goes out and throws four last night, two for touchdowns. The punt return to Hester inexplicable. I know we have a new punter, but kick it into the tenth row for crying out loud. So right there, that's twenty one points that should have never happened. Those things don't happen. Our defense played great. We. 
every every time Cutler dropped back, it seemed like he was falling to the ground because somebody was hitting him. Forte had 14 carries for 20 yards before ripping a big runoff there in the second half. Defense was ready to roll, and it was just really disappointing that Stafford came out and played the way he did. All right. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but we are going to go to the phone lines real quick. Hang on just one sec. Hi, Matt. You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good. What are you calling to talk about? Well, I was just kind of chiming in um, on the other side of the fence from the opinion about uh, Paterno. Okay. I just, it, when I think about it, it's, it's like, let's say somebody, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm on the same page as you guys. We don't know all the facts yet, so he's innocent until proven guilty, but... If, you know, if somebody was, like, you know, raping someone like your sister or your son or somebody like that that's really important to you, and Paterno did, in fact, know about it, going to the AD is not nearly enough. Mm-hmm. And that's really tough just that it kept on happening for another 10 years after that because of his inaction. Right, and the, I think the, peop- the thing people are mostly concerned with is Paterno, yeah, he did talk to the AD and get himself quote-unquote, legally out of trouble, and so he's kind of out of the rough with that kind of thing, is he didn't follow up with it. He told the AD, but he didn't go and say, did you go talk to the president? Did you go, to, like, to the feds? Like, what'd you do with it? Yeah. And that's, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from with that. Like I said, I'm kind of on the fence with it, too. I can see why they fired Paterno, because, you know, he did know about it. He didn't follow up. On the other side, is this the way he should have went? Um, probably not because of how much he's done for the program, but I can totally I can totally see. My question is for you, do you think that, you know, Penn State can rebound from this whole situation and, and become, you know, the team that they were at the beginning of this season? And I think that's kind of where the difference might be, too, is, yeah, I think that they're a great football team and they'll rally, but that is, that's beside the point. I think that's what the, the victims way overshadows what's going on i don't you know it's if you're if you're raped as a 10 year old and that that's i mean that's a scar for life that's not murder but it's kind of close to it they're they're screwed up for the rest of their lives and i don't know like paterno talked to the ad and then nothing happened and he just thought that that was oh, he's like oh well, that, that's that and moving on all right i'm yeah. sure that mcqueary you know, I don't think he held back and told him like they were just messing around in there. I think he knew what was going on, and and to shrug your shoulders and tell one person and keep it in the old boys network. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's cool. Uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad he got fired right away. All right. Well, thank you for your opinion, Matt. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Take it easy. Bye. It took me a second to get rid of the call. But we are going to, you know, go back to the Lions, you know, going back with what you said. Um, you know, James, what did you think about the Lions? Man, I was extremely disappointed. Um, I've been a Lions fan all my life. They're the most important team in my life. They're my pride and joy. I bleed Honolulu blue. <laughs> um, it's just, it was, it was really, I was really unhappy, first of all, with the fact that now I'm hearing Stafford had a broken finger, mm-hmm. um, that he kind of put himself ahead of the team and kept, kept himself out there, knowing that he was injured the way he was and he couldn't get the ball to the receivers like he wanted to. I feel like he should have went to the coach and said, hey, Sean Hill, let him play. I want to win the game. I want to do whatever it takes to win the game. Um, like, I, like he was saying about the defense, I think the defense was stellar, at least the front four. Front five, I feel like they put a lot of pressure on Cutler, and I really like the fact that we were able to stop Matt Forte from running all over us because that has always been a problem for Detroit is allowing the run. Right. Now we're going to go back to the phone lines again. Hey, Dave, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, what's going on, Megan? How's it going? I'm not too bad. I'm at work, but could be worse. Right. I mean, we're missing you over here, but we got a lot to talk about. I know you do, and I, so I was a little jealous, so I had to call in, uh, <laughs> throw my two cents in. What do you want to and, talk about? Um, yeah, well, I heard you guys were talking about the Lions uh, for the little bit before you patched me in, and um, I just had a question for, um, so, you know, the whole group in general. Do you guys think that, you know, Stafford should have been benched after throwing those two pick sixes, or was it right to stick with Stafford and not put Sean Hill in? 
Does James want to start this? Because you were talking about this. (laughs) Well, I I definitely think that uh, after now hearing that he had a broken finger um, and that he was that's a big reason why he wasn't able to throw the ball the way he wanted to. I feel like he should have. Although while I was watching the game with you, um, I did say that I felt like he should have been pulled after those two pick pick sixes because we still had the ability to win that game. Oh, for sure. Okay, and uh, I don't want to take up too much time, but uh, looking at next week, you know, Panthers, pretty uh, pretty good offense coming in. Um, Megan, I mean, how do you guys see us? Uh, how do you see the Lions bouncing back next week? They need to bounce back. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they definitely need to. I mean, this Bears game was just almost disgraceful, if you ask me. I mean, Tommy, do you have anything? I think they'll bounce back, especially playing at home. Carolina's been sputtering as of lately. They're 2-7 and seven now. Uh, they looked absolutely terrible uh, yesterday. And Cam Newton, obviously, he's uh, turned himself into a great player, but I think our defensive line should slow him down. It's kind of like the same scenarios when Michigan State's defensive line goes up against Denard Robinson a little bit. Yep. So if we can, if the D line just pressures him enough, and will really expose him for uh, his, his lack of passing ability. What do you? Oh, no, I completely agree, Tommy. Um, I think that this Sunday coming off the lines do bounce back. Um, I think Chicago is a good team. I think people forget that this is a team that's not won four straight. They're not some slouch of a team, and they have great defense. Looking at the Panthers game, we should bounce back easily though with them. Uh, it's a game at home, and I think it's a must win going into Thanksgiving the next week. But uh, real quickly, does anyone think that the Vikings have a shot at winning tonight? <laughs> Even a, a little tiny shot. Does anyone think that possibly this could happen? No. <laughs> I think they have 0.1% chance. All right. So there is a chance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for calling in, Dave. Enjoy work. Thank, oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. You guys have a good one. Bye. All right, bye. If the roof caves in again, then maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, just like Dave said, I think, you know, I've been reading article over article over article preparing for tonight. I think Sean Hill should have been put in. Um, Gosh, Stafford, I I don't even know. I was reading Mark Rosenberg saying if Stafford can't pull it together, we're not going to make it to the playoffs. You know, everyone's so pumped because the team's decently good this year. You know, we were undefeated for such a long time. Um Honestly, yeah, they do need to pull together. They do need to beat the Panthers next weekend, and I think they can beat the Panthers next weekend. Big thing I want to talk about is, you know, not even a turning point in the game, but that big fight that came out with um, with uh, Stafford. I mean, I, do you, I, I was telling um, James before the show that I remember a game last year that the same situation happened, and it they, they were down by 20, 25 points or something. I don't remember what game it was, but... They just get like so adrenaline rushed and so upset that they just start fighting people. And I mean, it wasn't it wasn't Stafford's fault. The guy did come after him, but it, it got pretty escalated. It got to a certain point where Schwartz was out there in between the players, you know, pushing them all apart. Yeah, I think it was the Patriots game on Thanksgiving last year when we was started it? fighting them. But I personally like to see the fire from the guys. It shows that they're not taking losing lightly anymore. <laughs> and this is the second time this year now. Schwartz with Harbaugh starting something up, and yesterday, I mean, I kind of like it. I personally, it shows that they have the passion and they're they're ready to go out and fight for the win. So I I like it. I agree with that completely. I mean, if you look back a few seasons ago when we when we couldn't win a game, it, it was like okay, we we didn't win. Uh, too bad. Maybe next time. But like he said, now people are upset. They're like, this is not okay. We're not okay with this. It's not going to continue to happen this way. And with that um, that fight, I mean, if you saw, Matthew Stafford was being blocked from um, from tackling the person who intercepted the ball. I can't remember exactly who it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, along with being him being blocked, he grabbed the back of his helmet and kind of threw him to the ground, which looked like a tackle to me. I mean, it, it was not an illegal tackle. He didn't grab the face mask. He didn't grab the horse collar. And the illegal part was when he then came back at him and tackled him, um, which I agree with the refs, and I don't say this often, with that call for them to throw him out of the game. He should have been the only one to leave, and he should have left that way. Did you see how he left? I mean, the Waving. fans were loving him, but Waving. that's Chicago like, oh. for you. I've never been a fan. And how about um, you know the punt return to Devin Hester? <laughs> Was that a mistake? You can't kick on... it to that guy. You cannot <laughs> kick it to him. He's, uh. he's proven it time after time. He holds the record 12 return touchdowns now. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I'm just going to throw this in there real quick. We do only have 12 minutes left, and I do have a couple things I want to get to. Um, 
and Sue had a good, good, you know, tackle. Didn't get any, you know, roughing, whatever. Everyone's still dubbing him as the dirtiest player in the NFL. I mean, how, do you do you know what tackle I'm talking about? He, I think he, he grabbed him by his like his helmet or something, and they just didn't call it. I don't remember. Yeah, it looks like maybe his thumb got stuck in Color's ear hole, maybe, or his hand just got stuck, and he just ripped his helmet off again. And going against Chicago, I don't mind it. But Sue is definitely uh, building himself quite the nasty reputation around the league for making countless plays like that. So, do you believe he's the dirtiest player in football? He is getting close. You think? This is only his second year in the game, so I still think James Harrison holds that title, but Sue is definitely getting there, and we've already seen Fairley make a couple dirty plays as well, so he's learning after his buddy there on the D-line pretty Our quickly. <laughs> what do you think, James? Well, I, I, I disagree that he's the dirtiest player in the NFL. I think that he's the most ferocious player in the NFL, and I think that that word gets twisted around a little bit. I mean... It's a, the game of football. If you go back, no, 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 no matter how far you go back, people have been playing like this for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's just recently that they're starting to make a big deal about it. You even look back five, six years ago when we had Rodgers as our defensive tackle. He was pretty dirty himself. He he would get in there and he would put his helmet, you know, in places where it probably shouldn't be. But you didn't see him getting labeled that way because he didn't put up the type of numbers and. Uh, create havoc in the backfield the way that uh, Nadamakan Sue does. All right, and I think that's enough about the Lions. I think we're going to move on to just the around the around the NFL. I'm just going to throw a couple, you know, interesting stories that we did talk a little bit about before the game. Um just silly little things that do happen in football. Um first one, Buffalo Bills receiver David Nelson caught a 3-yard touchdown pass Sunday, decided to run to the other end of the field and give the football to his girlfriend who is Kelsey Reich, I think you say your last name. Uh, she is a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. He doesn't care that she she uh, you know roots for the other team. Um, the other one was um, Reggie Bush became one of NFL's biggest impact players the past month, including his two touchdown effort against the Redskins on Sunday. Uh, many critics want to credit his recent success to the coincidence that his ex girlfriend Kim Kardashian currently filed for divorce. The things that people find, I mean, I'm a journalism major, and the things that people find to make stories out of is just hilarious. I just, it's so funny. I don't know. The other one that actually is extremely, there's so many controversial things going on on right now that James actually told me about. Um, Denver Broncos wide receiver Eric Decker, he uh, was given an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Sunday after dropping to his knee and saluting in the end zone after a 56-yard touchdown reception from Tim Tebow. Basically, he was saluting because this was Veterans Day weekend. Their game was on Thursday, I think you said. And um, he saluted the veterans in the stands, and they threw a flag. And I I didn't know this, but supposedly when you go to a knee, um, it's a celebration that's been illegal since 2009. And, you know, that's another thing we can talk about a different day is the rules in the NFL because I don't think anyone really knows because they've been changing so much over the past couple of years what's right and what's wrong and what is considered right and how it works like that. Real quickly, I just wanted to touch on that Tim Tebow has been on his knee so many times this year, and not mm-hmm. once have they flagged him. I don't know if it's because he's Christian or what, but, I mean, he goes down to his knee two or three times a game. Right. I, I know. Tebowing, everyone knows about now. Every picture I see on Facebook, kids are Tebowing. Like, it's cool. I don't know. I don't really think it's that cool. But Whatever. Um, I don't. Do you want to talk about? Because I know a big thing going on real quick um, is injuries in the NFL. You said this is the most injuries you've ever seen. The one I do really know about is Michael Vick did um, break a couple of ribs during the game on Sunday. Yep, caught a helmet to his rib cage. Yep. And uh, do you want to throw another couple names in there? Yeah, uh, I was saying earlier that I I've never seen this many um, key injuries to key players in the NFL. Um, we've got. Uh, Obviously, Michael Vick broke his ribs. Mike Staff- or Matt Stafford, it looks like he uh, broke a bone in his hand. Mm-hmm. It's looking like uh, Matt Schaub is out with an ankle injury for the rest of the season. Matt Castle is also out for the rest of the season. And uh, Denver Broncos have lost their second running back now to a quad injury for the rest of the season. Injuries. I swear. No one really knows how to take care of themselves anymore. <laughs> or it's just gotten rougher. I don't know. All right, so we're going to move on to the Red Wings. I'm just going to throw in, you know, how they've been doing the since uh, last Monday when we met. <laughs> and um, currently the record is 4-5-1. and one. I think that's within the 
conference or the division. I'm sorry. Um, they are behind the Chicago Blackhawks, which is three or six three and one. Um, they play tomorrow against the Blues. They've won their last three games since uh, last Monday, four in a row. They were on a six-game losing streak, and now they're on a four-game winning streak, which I know James told me before the show he's pretty excited about. Um, they beat the Avalanche five to two on November eighth, November eleventh, three uh, three to zero against the Oilers. November twelfth, they won five to two, and then they play tomorrow against the Blues. Obviously, like I already said. Um, a cool little story. Brad Stewart was a defenseman. He scored his first goal on Saturday in a 318-day goal drought while his two sons and his wife were in from Southern Cal, which is where he is from. So he said he was talking about how it was difficult to be a long-distance dad. Um, and real quick, uh, Mark Howe, who is um, the son of Gordy Howe, who used to play for the Red Wings, and Mickey Redman, who is a broadcaster, were both inducted into the Hall of Fame today. So a cool little thing for them. Um... I, we can talk about the NBA real quick, uh, something that was released today. The players rejected the owner's most recent collective bargaining proposal and instead will seek to disband the union, which could jeopardize the 2011-2012 season, which is what it really sounds like is going to happen right now. I really don't think we're going to have an, an NBA season this year. It's gone too far. They're trying to get rid of the union, and now the union's going to pursue an antitrust law against the NBA. They're not doing collective bargaining anymore. They're taking it to the courts. Um, real quick, the proposal that was um, put on the table was a call for a 50-50 division of basketball-related income, which um, because players believe there are too many restrictions on big spending teams that would limit their free agent options. So, um, you know, they have a memo up on, like, a Facebook page or something, and they're saying, the league's like, okay, this is the things we've tried to compromise with you, dropping demands for a hard salary cap, non-guaranteed contracts, and salary rollbacks. Um yeah, pretty much bottom line is they weren't ex- prepared to accept an ultimatum of accept the deal or risk lesser offers in the future, and collective bargaining will not be how the process continues in the future. So like I said, it's going to go to courts, and it's going to be a long process, I can tell you that right now. And so I honestly, if you guys think differently, my opinion, I think James's opinion, I, Tommy, I don't know if he's really following this too much, um, do you think there's going to be a season? No. After no. after today's developments, I don't think so. I was holding out hope that the players would finally wisen up and accept the offer, but after today's actions, I don't think there's a chance that they will. Now, back when the last time the lockout happened in 99, when they had the 50-game season, I think they finally made... Uh, they ended the lockout January 6th, I think, was the make-or-break deadline. So there is still hope for a shortened season, but it probably won't happen. Yeah. I, just, I, know, I don't see it happening. I just think these these players are too stubborn. To be honest. Um, moving on. Um, another controversial issue within golf involving Tiger Woods. When aren't things involving Tiger Woods in golf? He is, he is the face of golf, if you want to call him that. Um, he did play in the Australian Open this weekend. Took third, you know, behind Greg, Greg Chalmers and John C- or Sendon. Is that how you say it? Sendon. Sendon. They're both Australian golfers. Yep. Um, he was only two strokes behind. He did. They're saying it's his best... Um, or ESPN's dubbing his best tournament in two years since he won the Australian Masters two years ago. So, I mean, everything that's been going on with him, with his whole scandal, whatever, finally, maybe maybe it's finally he's getting over it, which would be good. He started off real well. The frustration yeah. set in toward the end, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he was, the controversial part of this whole entire thing, he was picked by, or he was a captain's pick by um, Fred Couples uh, for the President's Cup. Um, there are only two spots... And the other one was given to Bill Haas. Um, and they're saying, why did Tiger get this one? He's only played 11 tournaments this year, even though his most recent is his best. Um, but all of his friends within PGA or within golf are saying that they have faith in him. They're like, we still have faith in him, so we're going to pick him. So that's pretty much, they haven't given up on him. They have faith in him. They're excited about what he has to has to offer. Um they're saying Keegan Bradley was more deserving, who is actually a rookie. He's won, um, he was a PGA champion, and he's won twice this year. I mean, do you do you have a an opinion on that? I would take Tiger over anybody any day of the week. Yeah. Still, even though he struggled for the past couple of years, he's still Tiger Woods. He looked <laughs> he looked back to form this past week, and I watched him the last three rounds. And aside from putting, he missed some makeable puck pods definitely but his swing definitely looks much improved um bottom line is you know 
they're saying maybe Tiger isn't deserving, but they're saying the President's Cup will definitely be tough. Um, four international members finished in the top ten at Sydney, so at the Australian Open, while only two U.S. members did. And so they're saying that it's going to be a tough tournament for the U.S. team. And it begins this Wednesday, I think. This Wednesday, November 16th at 9 o'clock at night. So if you feel like staying up, it's saying it's going to go till 2 a.m. I'm sure Tommy's nodding his head over here. It looks like he might stay up and watch it. If you feel like watching it, tune in at 9. Probably on the Golf Channel or something, or ESPN or some sort of channel. I don't know exactly. Um, real quick, the... Uh, the Pacquiao-Marquez fight, I we couldn't figure out. I keep saying his last name wrong or something. I don't know. Pacquiao wins. Uh, he raises his record against Marquez to 2-0-1. Um, I was hearing it's a close fight. James is saying it wasn't even close. Pacquiao won it hands down. So my friend I was talking to today was saying Marquez got gypped. He probably it should have been a lot closer than it was. They're saying he won 8 out of the 12, 12 of the rounds. Um, Marquez was rumored of thinking about retiring. So he's like, I don't know what it'll take to beat this guy. And they're thinking about a fourth fight, which I think is a little excessive, in my opinion. I mean, we don't really have time to talk about it. We have like 30 seconds left on the show. Um, so I'm going to move on to NASCAR real quick. They, um, were, they're in Phoenix on Sunday. Casey Kane won um, uh, with Edwards and Stewart in second, who are the top chase leaders. Um, Stewart's back three to Edwards. And uh, Johnson won last year, but they're saying he has absolutely no chance. They have one more race left. It's Homestead Miami Sunday at 3 p.m. So all you NASCAR fans, if you feel like tuning in, go for it. One more race pretty much between Edwards and Stewart. Go Stewart. So, I mean, James has got Stewart. I don't think he uh, – Tommy doesn't know anything about NASCAR. I hope Stewart wins. We'll see. Um, so I just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Spartan Sports Wrap. We will be back next week. Dave will be back, who actually called in today, and I will be helping him out. So for the Spartan Sports Wrap, I'm Megan. I'm James. I'm Tommy. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.